Hello and welcome. We're pleased to have you tuned in again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. There are a number of life challenges that we will all encounter in our adult life, either by way of personal experience or by relationship with someone else having the experience. In dealing with these big life challenges, we can be tempted to think that they are very modern day, very here and now issues, and so not able to be relieved by anything the Bible has to offer. Can we draw on the Bible to help someone else? We're going to continue to explore that idea with the third in a four-part series titled I Have a Friend Who Struggles With, and tonight's challenge, Disappointment. We're dealing with how we can help friends who struggle, and I have a friend who struggles with, and we've so far we've looked at depression and loneliness, and today we're going to deal with disappointment. And disappointment, we're going to see, has a range, has a scale to it, and it will sometimes look like uh, anger, frustration, and unanswered prayer, which... I'll show you in a moment, is a bigger issue than perhaps we realise for people. Ancient wisdom says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You find that in Proverbs 13, 12. We've all seen these talent shows where people think they've got a talent and then they actually share their talent and it's pretty clear to everybody but them they don't have that talent and what's the emotion you feel when others don't recognize your talent it's surely disappointment and they get interviewed at you know how do you think that went and and oftentimes the response is these judges don't know what they're talking about i am the next greatest singer since celine dion and so on and i want to use i guess some of that as a bit of an a bit of an illustration about how sometimes we set ourselves up for disappointment. And this is a ridiculous question. Have you been disappointed? It's ridiculous. Why is it ridiculous? Because we've all been disappointed. It's the same as every other issue we've looked at. Disappointment is common. It is universal to being human. Here's a scale of disappointment. Let's see if you can identify where you have landed on this scale. I'm putting apathy up this end, although I'm actually not sure this is where it should be. So, so when you say apathy, you're saying no passion. Just don't care. And you suffer enough disappointment, that's oftentimes where it'll end up. People stop caring the whatever generation you ever seen or do i just do i do that little anyway it's apathy it's like i just i'm so disappointed i just don't care then you've got frustration disappointment happens frustration sets in what does frustration look like it's and then we go up this end of the spectrum and we've got disappointment that looks like anger when people are disappointed i think any of those extremes apathy and anger are really really dangerous really dangerous in in his book runaway emotions jeff shreve asks these checklist questions to see perhaps 
whether you're up the anger end of the spectrum as far as how you process disappointment. And he asks these checklist questions. Do minor irritations cause you to lose your cool? You're out for dinner, you spill food down the front of your clothing. Let's say a big uh, splatter of red salsa from a clean, on a clean white shirt. Does that drive you crazy? No, it drives me crazy, it drives Kim crazy. But You're at your computer about to hit F10, whatever that does, to save your document, but the hard drive crashes just before you have a chance to save all your work. Do you want to slam your fist through the monitor? I can't reach the monitor after I've thrown it across the room. How could I? I don't even understand that one. Do you tend to be in conflict often? Do you always seem to be in some kind of dispute or fight with this person or that person? Maybe you found yourself thinking, I can't get along at home, I can't get along at school, I can't even seem to get along at work. What's wrong with everybody? I don't know how it happens, but I always seem to end up with all these disagreeable, argumentative, unreasonable people in my life. Do you blame others for your outbursts? She made me angry. He said such and such to me, and that just pushed my buttons. It's his fault I lost my temper. Do you have trouble submitting to authority? Do you just hate it when you have to submit to your boss? Do you grit your teeth when that teacher or coach takes you to task over something? Do you find it difficult to yield to authority of your church or your pastor? Listen up now. <laughs> when you feel as if you know better on a given issue, do you have trouble forgiving people uh, who have hurt you in the past? When you're reminded of certain people who have wronged you, do you feel the anger welling up inside you all over again? Comic uh, George Carlin used the quip, Have you ever noticed that anybody driving slower than you is an idiot and anyone going faster than you is a maniac? <laughs> he asks those checklist questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> for some people, anger is not just a moment. Anger is their life. They just seem to be angry. They're prickly customers. And that's largely because they have experienced and not processed well disappointment. The cause of disappointment, well, I, I want to show you this and, and see if we can help you to understand why you might feel this way. In life, we have certain expectations. And we might sort of put them on a scale. We expect this. But then, unfortunately, as we live just a little bit, we understand that sometimes reality doesn't measure up to our expectations. And we have reality somewhere way down here when we were hoping for so much more. That gap between them is uh, the, the... Well, it's actually the, the reality gap. And it can cause... Anger. This, this gap between reality and expectation, the, the bigger the gap, the bigger the sense of anger. So that, that re, that, that the anger gap is made worse when you view life as something you have to control. So we can put another thing on the, the far side here 
that the, the, close, the, the more you realise there is so much to life you can't control, the better you're going to adjust to reality. Anyone discovered? There's a whole lot to do with life you can't control. So it looks like this. The person who wants to control everything, control others, control circumstances, so on, we're going to put right up high on that scale. The person who recognises the opposite, and this is just as dangerous, you know, I can't control anything, I have no say in anything, the out-of-control person is also going to experience frustration as well. So what, what, how might we categorise disappointment? In other words, if I was to ask you, if you're disappointed, complete the following sentence. I am disappointed with, you might say with yourself. I'm sure you've experienced times when you're just disappointed with yourself. You let yourself down. You might be disappointed with, I'm using the expression, notable others. What, what do we mean by that? It could be your husband, your wife. They've let you down. You're disappointed with them. It could be your children. It could be your parents. Notable others. It could be your good friend. It could be someone special in your life. Notable others. You're really disappointed with them. They've let you down. And what about this one? With life. You're disappointed with life. If you're at that point now and, and you're hearing me and you're disappointed with life, we can help. We really can help. And we don't want you to live this way. You're not designed, you're not meant to live in a way where you remain disappointed with your life and with life in general. That's a really unhealthy way to live. And then you might be disappointed with God. And I've met people like that. And I've met people who've said, I'm angry with God. I'm ticked with God. And I understand that. I don't agree with it, but I understand it. And in fact, what, what is really interesting on... A lot of the research that comes in about how Australians, average Australians think, one of the curious things, and I find it really curious, is how many people say, I don't go to church, I don't consider myself religious, but I pray. I find that fascinating. And what is even more fascinating is how many people have said, they pray, but it doesn't work. I'm disappointed with the results. <laughs> and so this... This surprising number of non-religious people who report that they're disappointed with unanswered prayer I think needs to be addressed because it leads to people being disappointed with God. And if you've got a, a wrong concept of God, you will, you will feel disappointed about this issue. You will. Now, the Bible is full of accounts of people who were disappointed with life they were disappointed with others and they were even disappointed with god we've already mentioned jonah at one point when jonah came into nineveh and he prophesied repent because in 40 days your city's going to be destroyed <laughs> and the whole city repented they turned to god they told god they were sorry for their actions they turned to him and they asked for forgiveness and God relented on destroying them. And Jonah was ticked. He hated the Assyrians. 
Nineveh being their capital. He hated them. He's going, a good dose of thunderbolt and lightning, very, very frightening, will do them wonders. <laughs> and God didn't do it. And we read that he was so bitterly disappointed with God, he sat down on the ground and began to sulk and have a pity party. This is the prophet Jonah. He's just one. We could think of others. We could think of the disciples who, after Christ was crucified and buried, some of them are traveling back and on the road to Emmaus and unbeknownst to them, Jesus, wearing some kind of cloak, uh, came up beside them and said, what are you talking about? Oh, we're talking about Jesus. And the conversation goes like this. What about Jesus? Oh, we had so many high expectations for him. We thought he was the one. But we've been gutted and we're so disappointed with how he turned out. Disappointed with Jesus. And of course, both of these stories unfold where they realised their disappointment was completely unwarranted. But it shows us that the Bible deals with this. It deals with people who were disappointed with life, others and even God. So it seems like disappointment is a common trait and even Jesus experienced it. Here's another scripture. Romans 8.20 Because we talk about disappointed with life and if I was to tell you that the Bible actually describes this world as being a distortion of what God intended. It's distorted now. In God's original creation, there wasn't suffering, tragedy and human death. But something has distorted it. And now we live in a world and it uses this, this all-embracing catch-all word, futility. It says this, for the creation, all of creation was subjected to futility futility what is futility frustration disappointment um, unmet expectations pain disease tragedy suffering death adversity trial and the list goes on futile futile means it amounts to no good it's just frustrating it's futile notice that all of creation for the creation that's you that's me we are all subject to this. Now I'm playing a little bit of a preacher's trick on you because I've blacked out the last half of that verse. Because the, the last half of this verse says this. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. And you might be thinking, yeah, the devil, he did that. He distorted it. Except for the last two words. And they are the, some of the most powerful words in the Bible. In hope. And when, when you are disappointed, you are in a situation where you are struggling for hope. Struggling for hope. And the Bible says that in this world of futility, God offers hope. Hope is a positive expectation for the future. A positive expectation for the future. That's hope. When we talk about praying, God not answering our prayers and people who don't identify themselves as religious and they're praying and they're struggling with you know, unanswered prayer, what's the deal with that? 
the Bible actually offers some reasons why God doesn't answer some prayers. Let me give you some of the reasons that the Bible itself gives and why God doesn't answer all prayers. Can you imagine what what your life would be like now if God answered every one of your prayers? Sometimes we need to pray a prayer of thanks, but that God doesn't always answer our prayers. Here's one reason. James 4.3 says this. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Hmm. How do you ask wrongly? Well, James tells us to spend it on your passions. Other translations have to spend it on your lusts. You lust for it and we live in a culture, don't we? Where it says lust must be satisfied. If you want it, you can have it on an easy 190 interest-free monthly payments. James says, sometimes you'll pray prayers that are so selfish, God in his mercy will not answer them. And he's being merciful. So, we could go through and look at several of the other scriptures that talk about when we pray foolish prayers. And we've got examples in the Bible where we have Elijah praying a foolish prayer. Uh, we have several foolish prayers recorded in the Bible. And God just ignores them, straight up ignores them. And we have examples where, where people have prayed things against the will of God. If you're praying against the will of God, God's not going to grant your prayer request. It's just not going to happen. So God won't answer foolish prayers. He won't answer selfish prayers. And he won't answer prayers against his will. So we need to appreciate that. That might lead you to think, well, what's the point in praying? (laughs) Remember when C.S. Lewis, who married Joy Gresham, was praying for her healing. The the, the parish priest came up to him because there was C.S. Lewis in in this uh, Cambridge Anglican chapel nearly every day. Alone, on his knees, praying. And the priest came up to him and, and said, aren't you frustrated that God isn't answering your prayer? Don't you, don't you feel frustrated that you can't change God with your prayers? And C.S. Lewis said to him, my dear friend, I'm not praying that I can change God. I'm praying that God can change me. So, We're created, and I like that comment by C.S. Lewis, we're created to be prayerfully dependent upon God. Prayerfully dependent. Does that mean you can't bring to God your requests? Not at all. Not at all. In fact, most of you don't pray enough for your your needs to be met. Pray big prayers. I, I remember when I was about your age, Jacob, I read a book about Dawson Trotman. You ever heard of Dawson Trotman? That's right, watch this. Has anyone ever heard of Dawson Trotman? Oh, two people. When he came to Christ as a teenager, he began to pray for things, like pray that he might meet someone and share his faith and they'd come to know Christ. And that week he met someone and shared his faith and they came to Christ. And he thought, gee, this is... And they began to pray for things. And, And as they're praying, within days and weeks, these things started to happen. And then they started to pray over nations that god would send them to those nations and use them in those nations and he said it was strange you know like those prayers didn't get answered 
or so he thought. And in his book, he says, I can now look back over the 20 years or so that I prayed those prayers and I can see that I'm now living in the answer to those prayers that I prayed as a young teenager 20, 30 years ago. I have now a deep regret that I now understand that some prayers take decades for God and his wisdom to answer. And my deep regret is this, that when I was young, I didn't pray big enough. We're created and we're designed by God to live in prayerful trust of him. Sometimes the most profound prayers you pray will not be for your new iPod. It'll be, God, I am struggling and I need your help right now. So we're created and designed by God to live in prayerful trust of him. And note these, what I hope you recognize are powerful words as our father. And here's the problem you're going to have in processing disappointment in life. If you have a dysfunctional relationship with your father, you're going to really struggle when I tell you God is your ideal father. You're going to really struggle to process what I'm trying to tell you. So I need to qualify this statement and tell you that God is the kind of father you've never had. God is the ultimately caring dad. He is the one who loves you. He has a plan for your life that is far better than the life you've got now. God loves you with a love that is so pure and holy. He only desires your good and your best. And if you can get that, you can understand when the scriptures say things like this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And when I hear that verse, I hear one word, and it's not in that verse, but this is the word I hear. And you might think, oh, you're hearing the word trust. I'm actually hearing the word worship. What, what is the best way for someone to process disappointment? It's to worship God. Can you understand what happens when you are not having your expectations met, and yet you are prepared to say, God, I worship you. God, I surrender to you. God, I give you my life. I don't understand what you're doing, but have your way in my life. By doing that, you are trusting. But you need to come to understand God as your father. God is your father. And here's the question that's really, really important because some people might think the fatherhood of God is like Santa Claus. God's just up there and he's got a list and he's checking it twice and he's really hoping that you've been naughty, not, not uh, nice but not naughty or whatever it is. Here is the question that's really worth asking at this point. Have you been reconciled to your Heavenly Father? And you might think that's a weird question. It might be a question you've never pondered. But it's probably one of the most important questions you'll ever ask. Have you been reconciled to your Heavenly Father? Because you, if, unless you've surrendered to Him, you're not. Have you been reconciled to your Heavenly Father? This is a really important question. How can you help someone who's struggling? Firstly, show empathy. Don't downplay someone else's disappointment. And you may be a friend of someone and you think, you're disappointed about that? Remember, I used to meet people who were really disappointed when their, when their dog died. 
thinking, dog, get over it. Then my dog died, tragically died. I was devastated. I understand how that feels. Show empathy. Don't downplay someone else's disappointment. Secondly, remind them of their positive past. That's called giving encouragement. You see, encouragement. En is a Greek word that means in. Give them, put them in a place of, of courage. Where, where do you find that place of courage? By remembering, by remembering those positive past events. You actually find this in scripture. Where the prophet Isaiah came to King Hezekiah. And, Hezek- and he told Hezekiah, God can deliver Israel. Remember, he's done it before. And Hezekiah goes, oh yeah, yeah. And he was encouraged. And Hezekiah himself was able to go and encourage the people because he reminded them of their positive past. You might think everything in my life is, and just you just fill in the blank, make it a really negative one. You might think that, but it's actually not. And when someone's really battling with disappointment, it's very hard for them to see that there actually is a positive past that they've had. And thirdly, give hope. Hang in there. It'll be okay. Hang in there. And if they need to adjust their expectations based on the reality that they've got, you know... what, what would you say to that lady who tried out for Britain's Got Talent, who wanted to be the next Celine Dion? What would you say to her? That's all right, there'll be another talent show coming up. Try on that one. I hope you wouldn't. I hope you would give hope by saying, you know, I think you're really good at... I reckon you should focus your energies there. Give, and that's what that word real, real reasons why they can hope. I remind you of this scripture, again, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Disappointment makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And God can turn your disappointment into a positive expectation for the future. That's giving hope. Jesus Christ can do that. And if you want to have an interesting study, have a look at what the New Testament says about how God can turn situations around for people's good. And here's the question I want to leave with you. Knowing what you've just seen, knowing how you've seen how you can help someone who's battling disappointment, how do you respond when disappointed? And I hope I've given you some encouragement to realise that you will be disappointed and one of the best ways you can handle that is to worship. If you've ever experienced the disappointment of seemingly unanswered prayer, you'll understand Dr. Corbett's message tonight. We hope you've gained some encouragement from his insights from Scripture. Next week, Dr. Corbett concludes this series with I Have a Friend Who Struggles With Motivation. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, I Have a Friend Who Struggles With Disappointment, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, we invite you to visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.